Hello and welcome to What the Focaccio with me, Bettina Campolucci-Bordi and me, Nikki Webster. Our podcast is all about sharing our passion for the things we eat, good food and the people behind it. We are delighted to announce that this season is sponsored by Stonely Wines. Their premium wines come all the way from Marlborough, New Zealand. It is made from 100% sustainably sourced grapes and are vegan certified. And we have a unique discount code for our listeners. You can get 20% off Stonely Sauvignon Blanc exclusively on Amazon using the code STONELY20. Today's guests are Henry and Ian, who started Bosch back in 2016. Very quickly, they had viral recipe videos, many thousands of followers and a string of best-selling vegan cookbooks. Bosch is now the biggest plant-based channel in the world and they now have a range of products in supermarkets globally. Always at the forefront of trends and developments within the plant-based market and social media. I'm sure they have many more exciting plans for spreading the vegan word and we can't wait to hear all about them. Hi guys, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Really looking forward to our chat. So it's been a little while since we saw you last. How have you been? What have you been up to? Hello and thank you so much for having us. We're chuffed to be here. Yeah, it is a pleasure and an honour to be here with us. Uh, And we've been very, very busy, haven't we, Henry? We have. We've been uh, cooking all the time, writing recipes, writing (laughs) books. Um, but also continuing to, to build Bosch, really, um, from making videos to putting products in supermarkets and just about finding time for a little bit of work travel as well. So, uh, yeah, no rest for the wicked. Amazing. Perfect. We'll, we'll, we want to hear all about that, obviously. We can dig into all of those areas. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure having you on. And for those who are meeting you for the first time, I doubt that there's many that don't know who the two of you are. But tell us a little bit about how it all started, who you are, what you do. Obviously, it involves cooking, but how did it how did it all begin? Ian and I have been friends for absolutely ages since we were little kids, probably about 13 years old in the same school. Um, but about 10 years ago, Ian moved down to London and I had a spare room available. So he moved into my flat and uh, we became flatmates and, and you know mates and actually ended up working together and it was about seven years ago that ian went vegan um which i thought was completely ridiculous and uh, remember mocking him uh, to no end about it um, but then he showed me this film called cowspiracy i was just completely gobsmacked at realizing just how damaging animal agriculture was for the planet and so I had to admit that Ian was right, and I too then went vegan. Yeah, well, and it was the start of something massive. So exactly. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, I think that when we first went vegan, we both noticed really, really positive health implications. So we both lost a lot of weight in a good way. Um, we, we we both sort of had better skin, hair was thicker, we were waking up more energized in the morning. So I think that, like, to begin with, we we realized that this is a good thing to do and this is definitely going to have a very positive impact on both of our lives but I don't think a like for that first year either of us um foresaw what was to come with the Mm. the invention of Bosch yeah so um is this am I correct in thinking you used to work together in media or have I made I imagined that previously yeah that's right it was um we worked together in a kind of a tech startup yeah okay yeah I thought yeah I was wondering whether I'd managed it but no Right. So, uh, so you knew you could work together. 
Yes, we knew we could yeah. work together, and we both loved food. We were we were foodies. We were cooking a lot at home um, as flatmates, and uh, and you know we had favorite dishes. So Ian would always love cooking up a roast or some brownies. I would love or actually curries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I also used to love cooking lasagnas, like lavish three hour long lasagnas, or um, for example a prawn tom yum soup. So we were both like avid home cooks and uh, and i think around the time that we went vegan we realized there was not enough information about how to cook vegan there was not enough um there were not enough tutorials there were not enough cookbooks and yet we could see that there was this information that nobody knew which was that eating vegan was better for the planet we could also see that people were starting to realize this and there was growing interest in um in the word vegan and so we just realized, well, let's let's build this channel. We'll teach people how to cook. We'll turn it into a food brand. And somewhere along the way, we'll turn this media thing into a product brand. And that was about six years ago, even before we had the name Bosch. So you actually, so that's really interesting. So even, so even when you're kind of thinking about it and starting realizing there wasn't enough information, you kind of had this embryonic idea of where you wanted to get to. Exactly. And if you think about it, um, that's why we called it Bosch. To begin with, the uh, logo was just a black square that said the name Bosch in it. There was no Henry and Ian in there. And we only really injected ourselves into the picture when it became clear that we needed to do that in order to get our cookbook deal. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think there was something in the the air, 2015, 2016, because that's kind of when me and Bettina started and lots of our sort of peers started as well. So yeah. it must have been something something brewing. There was definitely something brewing. And was brewing. that was that also what what was the reason for you two? Well, I um I mean I'd been interested in food forever and I'd also been kind of vegan vegetarian for for forever really. And so I had all of these ideas, um loads of recipes and then I just been this sort of, you know, I just something something was kind of sort of um, making me think that I w- somehow wanted to sort of, you know, share that with people. Mm-hmm. I was working in food marketing at the time, had absolutely no idea whether anyone would be interested. And yeah, just sort of started putting it, putting it online, essentially. And weirdly, somehow people were, you know, I mean, after a while, when I, you know, when my skills improved somewhat, um, mm-hmm. people became interested, yeah. amazingly. Yeah, I think for me, it was, um, it was slightly different. I, I, I ran and cooked on wellness retreats. So I founded um, a wellness retreat with a business partner about 12 years ago and sort of banana slid into the world of plant-based and free from cooking. Um, Always wanted to cook since I was really young, but my parents were like, no, that's not for you. (laughs) Um, Sort of choosing a, going down the chef route um and then yeah i i was i was in the wellness industry to begin with and then started documenting my dishes uh on instagram and then that kind of took off and yeah books and all sorts of things happened after that which is amazing for all of us fantastic yeah Yeah, very inspiring Yeah. yeah So uh, Bettina and I have just come back from Turkey, which was an amazing trip, very inspiring. And um, we were chatting about all our podcast guests and we were remembering that about your one of the first, but your first book launch. Was it your first book launch in Borough Market? That's right. That, yeah. that was fun. Yeah, that was a yeah. big party. That was Brilliant. a big party. And it felt quite like quite a seminal moment, really, because I don't think, in fact, I'm absolutely sure that 
um, there had never been a vegan cookbook that had had that kind of launch party ever before. Yeah, I um, remember. Our publisher, HarperCollins, were, you know, and still to this day, were really, really behind us. And, and we can't thank them enough for that. But yeah, they basically said that this could potentially be the start of something big. Uh, let's market with a massive party. So we we got down to Borough Market. We had the Happy Pair there. We had Anna Jones there. We had Rupee um, yeah. down there as well. Um, and we got our mate Ao, who's who, who former Blueprint blue peter presenter to come and sort of compare the whole thing and uh that actually was the first time that harry and i had cooked live in front of people so oh, that was, wow. uh, uh, yeah yeah it was it was the first time that we'd ever done that so that was uh it was yeah it was a big moment if in more ways than one yeah, yeah. that's amazing it was a, it was one to remember for sure um and so many things have happened since then i think the last time i saw you guys was at uh rupee's book launch maybe yes. a year ago or something oh no you was were at the happy the... pair it was the oh happy pair oh one. it was the happy pair one and then you were at the plant-based show as well yeah. um yeah we, we, which plant, Olymp- plant-based show we've Olymp- been to... oh yeah you've been to many i bet uh the olympia one i think yeah. that was in january in january yeah we we do it we had our little food trick there yes we were just so, yeah that's, we were cooking that's... up uh, we were we, we were cooking up tempeh and uh, signing books and, and and basically sort of drumming up some interest um, for the food brand that we've now created. So that was yeah, a which is where my next question is leading into. So a lot of things have happened. Obviously, you've done cookbooks. You're doing loads on social media and all your channels, but you have also launched a food brand. So tell us a little bit more about that. So um, people first of all, wanted our cookbooks. That was what they asked us for. So we made cookbooks. Um, but the other thing that people have always been in our DMs asking us for is food products from, um, you know, things like uh, ready meals or, you know, meal kits. So people can make their own recipes through to cheeses and obviously vegan meats, uh, not to mention cakes and sweet treats. So essentially Bosch has always been synonymous with recipes. Mm. And, um, and we've just been very careful to listen to our audience and try and provide them what they want. And they kept asking us for things they could buy. So we launched a range of cakes and sweet treats and also kind of meal hacks, meal parts uh, in the middle of lockdown. We've seen really good reception in supermarkets in the UK. Um, so two years worth of uh, essentially being stocked in now we're in every major supermarket. Amazing. It's been fantastic. And we, in the last year, have started to really put our foot down on the gas to, to build that food brand. We've, we've brought some people in, so we now have a team. It's no longer just yeah, me amazing. and Ian in, in the yeah. kitchen. Um, how, how, how many in your team? Uh, right now, there are about 12 of us. Amazing. Wow. Um, Growing. So yes, yeah. yes, 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 exactly. And um, it's just very exciting. A new chapter for Bosch where we are going to, continue to make fantastic products expand on the products um and yeah very excited to bring new flavors to everybody yeah just um but just to well i used to work in food marketing and product marketing so i know i just want to sort of kind of congratulate you really because it's no mean feat getting yeah. the products into, into supermarkets it's it's it can be challenging can't it and there's all the whole new sort of ball game of like different business challenges yeah. and opportunities so yeah. amazing yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's it's funny because we actually we haven't spent any money on marketing apart from the money that we spend on the videos that we make for social media. 
So, oh, wow. so, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of how that's all, all come about. But um, yeah, I suppose it just shows the power of social media. Yeah. And it's quite interesting to see that there are like, um, obviously, we've done reasonably big things in the, in the food space because of social media, but it's really nice to see all of these new, um, like sort of hungry influencers popping out of the woodwork. Mm. You've got people who basically start cooking recipes, filming them on their phones, popping them on social media, and then boom, they blow up in a massive way. And that f- is fantastic because essentially what we all really want to see is more people eating more plants and the more information that's out there via it, like talented influencers the better for everyone so it's great yeah, yeah. absolutely so, so on that point your videos have been seen and you know wrestling's put by millions of people how does that make you feel i mean it's it's an honor i guess um we are always chucked to bits when people share the dishes that they've cooked and, um, and I'd say as well as an honor, it's a responsibility. So we have to be careful to make sure our recipes bang, make sure they're well-written, well-tested. Um, same with our cookbooks, whether it's a video or a cookbook, we spend a lot of time making sure those flavors really sing, the recipes are easy to follow, ingredients are relatively straightforward to find. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always a pleasure to know that we are feeding people and ultimately nourishing people too and helping them make that journey to eat more plant-based food. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm, I was going to ask you about um, going back to the to the food products. Where are you guys? Um, where are you guys stocked? And how long? How? Because I think I think a lot of people that are in 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 the space of wanting to get food products out, I think it's the where do you start is a big question. And how how do you get started? How long was that process? Um, and where are you guys stocked now? Because you're you're not just in the UK, are you? You're you're kind of everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's a good question. What, uh, Ian, why don't you start with where we're stocked, and I'll jump in on the uh, you know how do you get stocked? Sure thing. Um, <clears throat> so our cakes, we've we've got a line of baked cakes that uh, that you can find those in Tesco, and then if you want to bake your own cakes with cake making kits, those are, kits are available in Waitrose in um asda and in morrison's amazing We've also got uh, burger kits so basically it's kind of um, ambient product which is add water add a bit of oil turn them into a patty and bake them in the oven they're burger kits and falafel kits you can find those in morrison's and in asda um what else we got we've got nutritional yeast in We've got that in Sainsbury's. We've got that in uh, Asda. And we've also got that in Morrison's. Mm. And then obviously all of those are on the Cardo as well. So, yeah, so that's some of the products that we've got. We've also got little cake bars that you can get in Tesco as well. So that, that that's kind of the um, our range of products for now because we've got a lot more coming out in the not too distant future. I've got some of your nutritional yeast in my cupboard from via Ocado. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Glad to hear it. And yeah, I suppose um, the path to get here has been, um, we, we probably found it easier to get into supermarkets because we were both on trend, so yeah. we were plant-based, plus people knew us and understood our recipes. Um, so we had kind of authority in the space and we created some great products. I think those three things helped us find our way into supermarkets. Um, but, you know, as everybody will know, it is tough. It is tough to get into supermarkets. And it's also tough to save supermarkets. Yeah. And we're seeing, um, particularly post-Ukraine, all of the stuff that's going on right now in the world, uh, the cost of living crisis here in the UK, 
is making retailers more cautious. Um, and so it's, it's a tough time for a new food brand to try and get into retail, I would say. So if you are trying to think about starting a food brand, just bear that in mind. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people solve that by trying to build brand awareness through going to food service first. Mm. So selling their products into restaurants first and foremost in order to try and raise sales, raise profile, and then to do retail after that. But also a lot of very smart challenger food brands now are appearing and kind of not paying any attention to retail mm. or food service and they're just selling through their website direct to consumer which is which is obviously very forward thinking future thinking and it does allow you more control mm -hmm. um but you just have more of a job to do in terms of raising awareness um, and driving people to your shop because ultimately no one will know where to find you unless they know your brand exists. Mm, yeah. Supermarket provides a really easy way to spot somebody. Yeah. Whereas if you're building your own website and trying to get trying to get noticed, you're going to have to be quite savvy at digital marketing. For sure. Yeah. And I think, do you work with a manufacturer, or have you kind of got your own facilities, or how does that all how does that all work? Yes, we very much did not want to build factories. Um, there are there are experts out there who can do a much better job of. Um, making food on factories than we do so yes we For work sure. with um manufacturers different yeah. manufacturers licensees and um and it's, it's different per product yeah mm. yeah oh, very impressive it's a, it's a it's a lot of work and very very um impressive indeed and great sort of insight into into the world of food products um thank you for sharing um, <laughs> going, going back to basics and sort of less business, who taught you to cook and where did that um, inspiration come from? Because you both said that you were avid cooks in the beginning. Yeah, um, I think that both of us enjoyed cooking or well, definitely enjoyed eating at home. And I think both of our mothers uh, played a big role in our love of food. But certainly my grandmother played a, a big role in my love of food because she was a farmer's wife and she really knew her way around the kitchen and she cooked up some absolutely delightful food all with ingredients that my grandfather had grown so so that was really really good but i think oh, I to answer that. the question of like where we really refined our skills as, as cooks i think we learned on the job where we basically set us up when we built the channel yeah um, that we, we we were like okay then right we need to we need to cook food every single day we need to make videos every single day because um if we don't someone else will so we need to sort of do as much as is humanly possible right from the get-go and initially we were okay at cooking but over the course of time we had the opportunity to not just cook like one specific type of cuisine yeah. we were cooking all the cuisines all of the time and because of that um it, we, we, we had the opportunity to really refine our skills because a lot of um chefs in restaurants they're exceptionally talented but if you imagine that the menu for a lot of restaurants will remain the same for the best part of three mm. months so we'll get really good at cooking one dish but what we have managed to do is got pretty good at cooking loads of dishes so so, so yeah on the job we learn a lot that's yeah, great. and I suppose you can take your inspiration from, well, if you take your inspiration from everywhere, you have to kind of learn pretty quickly, don't you, about sort of flavour combinations and spices and how it all works together. Yeah, we, we take a, um, we take a, because we're, uh, our background is marketing and tech, uh, we take a software development approach to writing recipes. And I think the process that we take of writing cookbooks is probably a lot more complex and um and really, really methodical than most 
cookbook authors, not all, but the most. So we tend to test things uh, anywhere from five to 10 times. We use a, a Kanban style um, approach to taking a recipe from a concept through to a first test, through to a second test, through to a third test, and all the way through to complete an inner book. And I think that that really slow scientific methodology methodology has been really good for also teaching us how to cook, you know, because yeah. you you do your research, you think about flavor combinations, you look at what's out there, you then start cooking and testing and learning. And also we, we surround ourselves with great cooks as well. So, you know, now that there's a good few of us in the kitchen, we've got some other talented chefs that we work with as well, which is which is another way to learn because we all bounce ideas off each other. Yeah. yeah, totally. So, um, to you both, because I mean, uh, we, me and Bettina mm-hmm. kind of asked everyone this. Um, do you have a favourite meal? You know, if you had to eat one, you know, if you're going to have to eat one kind of thing all the time, what would you go to? Um, so, okay, hmm, this is good. so. Is this is this a meal that you would cook every single day, or if you had to eat one thing and one thing only for the rest of your days? Is that the question? Let's go. Be- it could be a, a type. It could it could a bit of both, and it could be a type of cuisine. Yeah, okay. so it could be like curry every day mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Or, or pasta. So I would say first. Aha, pasta. That's that would be a very good option. <laughs> but I think for me, I'd say right. So I'm going to give you two answers. I'm going to give you what I, my death row dinner would be, but also I'm going to give the answer of what I would cook if I had to cook one thing over and over again. Perfect. And I think the one thing, that, the one thing that I would cook would be um, stir fry. Right, because stir fry, you can use rice, you can use noodles, you can use tofu, you can use vegan meats, you can use a whole plethora of different sauces and vegetables. There, if you were eating stir fry for the rest of the rest of your life, you wouldn't notice that you were just eating stir fry because mm. it's it's so massively varied. So, and also, I, I would say that when I when I come home from work. Uh, and I cook up a dish. It's it's usually some form of stir fry. So nice. stir fry is, is that answer. But if I had to eat, have like a death row dinner, and it was like the last thing I ate, or the like the best meal ever, it would be a fruit salad. A fruit no. salad, really? But not just <laughs> any, not just any fruit salad. Uh. Not like your, not the sort of fruit salad that you get at school. And it would just be like a massive tub of chopped up apples and pineapples and, and whatever else is in there. Melon, probably a big scoop of that in a bowl. It would be the finest fruit salad ever. It would be like every single piece of that fruit would be the best fruit in its, its category. So it would be really juicy and crispy and crunchy and flavorful and nourishing. And it would be the best thing ever. Um, so, nice. yeah, they're my two answers. For I that mean, that's, that's that's very insightful. <laughs> But yeah, no, yeah. Fruit salad is a, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting one. Don't think we've had that before, but no, I get never. it. I, yeah. I do I do get it. Like mangoes, yeah. papayas, and pineapple would be in my fruit salad. Exactly. If I got I mean, like, the juice mm. or like juicy watermelon. Mm. Exactly. Like yeah. if you think about it, but there is nothing more satisfying than like a ridiculously good piece of fruit. I think. No, not feeling yeah, it. It's true. No. Oh yeah, I love fruit. <laughs> I love I love fruit when it's good. I, yeah. I, I agree on that one. What about you? Uh, so I would go for, I think if we were talking about what to eat every day and it was the same kind of uh, cuisine, I think I'd probably go for ramen. And it's the same kind mm, of reason, which is nice. that it's just so flexible. It's so variable. It's healthy. So you've obviously got those noodles, uh, which are providing you with that kind of sustenance. You've got that lovely, flavorful broth which is still mostly water. So, you know, it's, it's kind of healthy, but then you can top it with protein, all the colorful vegetables, all of the flavor. 
And that is the kind of dish that you can get a lot of variety in um, and be satisfied, but also feel healthy. And I then, like um, that. It's good. <laughs> if I was, uh, if I'd had that in my entire life and I was feeling fantastic and it was time for my death row dinner, then it would be vegan fish and chips slathered in tartar sauce. Oh, <laughs> good, good answer. Good answer. Salt, vinegar <laughs> and just like fat, protein and carbohydrates. Yes. Yeah, I like it. Yum nice because after all you'd be about to die so um oh yeah exactly that, yeah, that's why matter. that's why fruit seems such a shame you know? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> don't, don't knock the fruit don't knock the fruit uh, okay I'll, I'll i'll shut up <laughs> um i what uh, something stuck with me that you said uh before actually and that was that you decided to create as much content as possible and yeah. cook every single day. When you started out, did you do all your filming yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, do you know what? That's a lie. The, 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 f the first shoot that we ever did, um, we because we wanted to hit the ground running, we wanted to hit the ground with really good quality videos. So it really made a big splash on social media. Mm. We hired in um, two dudes and one of the guys had had been he had actually shot kind of the video not, not maybe not for marks and spencer but vi videos that are very similar to marks and spencer mm, right. so we got him in and he sort of advised us on uh, the kind of camera equipment that we needed the kind of lighting that we needed and the kind of shots that we should use for the first um tr tranche of videos that we uh, developed so that was the first ever sh shoot but that was the first 20 videos right. we only hired those guy guys for like three days but after that we were kind of we we didn't have any budget to be hiring people yeah. in, so we just did it ourselves um, we got ourselves some camera equipment um we, we we found ourselves a shared office space and we just went about and kind of started bashing out the videos writing the recipes filming the videos yeah editing the videos writing the copy for the captions and then posting and doing all the aftercare trying to generate shares because mostly uh, our videos were posted on facebook initially yeah. and it was a lot easier to go viral on facebook than it is now uh, on yeah. instagram yeah so, so, so that was the kind of the beginnings of it all i think just listening to that it's a lot of work isn't it i don't think people realize that it's it's like being a content creator is a full-time job um, and there's so much work and thought um, that's gone into it. And I guess what I've noticed what's happened with um, in terms of what's happened in lockdown is that a lot of people started doing food content on their phones. Obviously, you've got TikTok um, where people have absolutely blown up. Um, yep. There's a lot more people doing food now than there was sort of three, four years ago. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of work involved in all of that. I guess what I'm trying to get to is if you're a food creator now, what advice would you give to food creators that want to go on to publish cookbooks or that want to do what you guys have done and create food brands, etc.? <laughs> I think mm. one of the first pieces of advice we'd give um, uh, food creators is make sure your recipes work. Yeah, because that's honestly, a good one. I I have I have cooked food before. Uh, you know, you, you've been like, oh, just fancy a nice dinner tonight, Saturday night, and then just you scroll down, you, you, you sort of type in a recipe, you find a blog, you see a recipe, you're like, oh, it looks amazing, fantastic. I'm going to follow that to letter. You follow that recipe to letter, and it doesn't really work, and it is so frustrating and yeah. so annoying, and um, it, it, you just feel hard done by, and I, you never go back to that creator ever again. So the first piece of advice is make sure your recipes work. Yeah, because it's such a big 
effort in terms of ingredients, time, effort, disappointment. If you know, if, if it's so disappointing, if it doesn't work, absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I think um, I just add to that to say, you know, this is the second time um, that Ian and I have built ultimately a business that involves working for yourself. Uh, is not to be underestimated. So it really was helpful that we had already done work for other people and we'd already had jobs beforehand, you know. Um, Ian had worked for many years, I'd worked for many years, and we both learned different things from our jobs. So I think if you're a, a wannabe food creator, don't, there's nothing wrong with um, having a day job mm. and doing it evenings and weekends. Um, there's also nothing wrong with deciding that you will do it as a hobby for a couple of years um, and then try and see if you can make it rather than just kind of quitting everything and jumping in. Now, there's nothing wrong with jumping straight in as well, but it's just understanding that um, it is really helpful to have got some work experience, to have done some learning on the job, whether that's in a kitchen or like you, Nikki, in a, a food brand, working mm -hmm. in marketing. Those kind of experiences will just really, really help as you try and build your own career in the food world mm -hmm. because you are running you're running your own business aren't you so if you've got business experience you know because you, ha you have to do everything it's not just being yeah. creative you're also the finance person the the sales person the marketing you know you have to do everything so yeah i totally agree having experience and also dealing with brands and dealing with companies yes. in a professional manner mm -hmm. that's that's helpful as well yeah totally absolutely. you're you're dealing with um you're dealing you're dealing with people who sit in meetings in the kind of jobs that you would do if you were working in a job. So it's quite helpful to understand what is involved with sitting in a meeting with people, mm. what is expected, what kind of like boring corporate stuff do people do in these environments. Even if you go to build a startup because you don't want to be in that boring corporate world, you are going to be engaging with people who do operate in that boring corporate world. So it's helpful to be able to speak their language. Yeah. And what I always find really fascinating, so for example, I've created a piece of content for a brand or business, you know, it's, it might go to PR agency and then that PR say, sends it to the, to, the, to the brand and then they might sit in a meeting with five different people and have like, you know, loads of people look at that piece of content and feedback before it comes back to you. It's, you know, you're essentially you're like a mini marketing agency as a content creator, aren't you? And you're gonna have all of this, you know, potential good and bad feedback coming your way. You know, you can't be too precious. You have to think about what the brand wants. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And it, it can be so frustrating. It's, uh, we used to call it uh, designed by committee, where kind of That's eight so people true. sit around yeah. and yeah. All, all pick holes in things. Yeah, exactly. We just gotta, you know, deliver okay so as you guys are absolutely at the forefront of plant-based cuisine can you go and give us any insights in terms of trends what's happening at the moment what you think is coming love to hear what you think oh good question um shall i go first yeah go for it yeah okay cool uh i would say that we are like all right so there's two things i'm going to say right so mushrooms are just going to be yes absolutely huge yeah. Right. You can just you, you can just see it. Obviously, uh, we've been cooking with mushrooms for a long time. And uh, the first time we started kicking, cooking with king oyster mushrooms, we had loads and loads of people uh, sending us messages saying, what on earth is this? Where can I get this? Like this looks like a, a magic thing. But and so king oyster mushrooms, not but three years ago, were, were, were this ridiculously crazy ingredient. And now you walk into supermarkets and there are king oyster mushrooms 
on the shelves and yeah. people are cooking with them all the time yeah. but it's not just king oyster mushrooms you've got your enokis um you've got your regular oyster mushrooms you've got loads of different types of mushrooms coming out so that's really interesting but also another thing that's really interesting about mushrooms is the um medicinal functional mushrooms mm. so henry and i um and our manager, Tom, we were out in America about four weeks ago. We were out at this massive food festival called um, Expo West. It was literally like the biggest thing ever. There was there was three and a half thousand uh, different people exhibiting and wow. 75,000 people uh, walking around on the floor, which was it was something. But in this um, in Expo West, they have one section of the of the show that is dedicated just to nutritional health. And I should say that a quarter of that section was just functional mushrooms. Wow. So functional mushrooms, I feel, that is are about to have um, this moment, almost like in the 1920s, the same sort of moment that coffee had, where mm. it became this, this huge explosion and the whole of the human race just kind of started relying upon it. I can absolutely see functional mushrooms having the same sort of time in the not too distant future. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, really interesting. Mm, that's a good one. That's a very good one. What's number two? You said two. Two things. Is that... uh, no, yeah, that was oh, the two oh, things. Oh, the two the things. Edible the, mushrooms. Oh, the edible mushrooms. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mushrooms, yeah. And as you can tell, Ian is a, a very fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, like, looking outside of the world of mushrooms, we've, um, we've seen that there's obviously been an explosion of vegan meat. Yes. Um, it's happened in the UK, but also in the US. In the UK, we've seen uh, restaurants really um, expand their vegan offerings and also supermarkets. In the US, they haven't quite caught up yet. They haven't really got, despite the fact they're leading the way on the manufacturing and the oh, development of these alt proteins, mm. their restaurants haven't really caught up. Their retail is okay, uh, depending on where you shop, but restaurants are really far behind. Um, but what we are seeing a lot of is a lot of people talking about clean label so um, almost rejecting these alt proteins um, because of fear of like these big, scary, unknown ingredients yeah. that sound like chemicals. Um, now, they, so there might be things like methyl cellulose, which is, um, you know, it's essentially an ingredient that your body doesn't really break down. It's, you, it's like the coating of pills, but you'll mm. also find it in lots of foods that are made in factories. Mm. But for some reason, when it's in vegan meat, um, people think it's really, really terrifying and scary, yeah. which it isn't. You can tell what I feel about it. Mm. Um, but there have been a lot of people talking about clean label proteins. So we've seen some new alt meat brands popping up that don't have any of those things in. They are just, for example, pea protein, yeah. a pea mm. powder, plus some natural flavorings, essentially just a, a protein-y dough. So there's been quite a lot of that um, uh, popping up. What we've also seen a lot of is... In the same vein as clean label, there's this kind of backlash against uh, alt meat, mm. which is all about just celebrating actual vegetables. So <laughs> almost the return of the 80s veggie burger, where yeah. it's just kind of, you know, uh, cauliflower and broccoli and, yeah. and, and breadcrumbs bread yeah. together. Um, there's a few food brands, in my opinion, erroneously um, pushing just just vegetables and veggie burgers and veggie nuggets as a thing but it is something that retailers are asking for it is something yeah. that is yeah. um That's popping really off in america mm. i think that what we'll find is in two years time quite a few of those brands won't have succeeded because they just won't have got traction because people don't want to eat uh, a green nugget 
Um, they want to eat something that looks and tastes like meat. Um, but there's definitely, we're entering into this realm where there's almost a bit of a kind of knee-jerk reaction the other way mm. against this alt protein. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see some interesting developments over the next couple of years. Don't, don't you think what someone sure. wants to eat a green nugget? I, 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 I like a green nugget. <laughs> Look, I have, no, I have nothing against a green nugget, but I think um, on the whole, I mean, think about children and what does a child want to eat? And a lot yeah. of people, fussy eaters, do think like that. And a lot of good people who have healthy diets would still go for that comfort food that does feel like a chicken nugget or feel like a burger that looks like a meat burger. I think absolutely there'll be some people who want those things that celebrate the vegetable, um, but the majority are still going to go want to go for that familiarity. Yeah, I think it's it's really tough. I think uh, we talk about this a lot, and uh, in terms of being London centric, uh, there's so many yes. alternatives available here, and we're very spoilt for choice. But sort of, I've I've been doing quite a lot of sort of large scale catering mm -hmm. and it's really interesting once you get out of London and it's it's difficult to get people to eat vegetables in general there's just we don't yeah. have a habit of it here in the UK mm. I think people sort of include a veggie curry here and there but it's not something that is ingrained and it's actually still even though we've come so far mm -hmm. it's still I think pretty difficult to convince people to add more vegetables into their diet. So I think you, you're onto something there in terms mm. of sort of, you know, the, the general majority of people, would they go for, you know, they'll probably go for something that is similar to chicken. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, which is really, really interesting. And I always, I always sort of get that realization, especially when you start looking beyond <laughs> london you're like really but um and it's, it's, and, it's, and it's also being in the world we live in which is partly yeah. you know creative cooking online you know there's there's a lot of stuff out there isn't there it's a, a whole plethora some of it's kind of meat alternatives and a lot of it is, is vegetable based but that's not necessarily the reality mm -hmm. yeah no that's uh, yeah, no, exactly. that's very true yeah um, and that almost leads us on to the other trend, which is um, Ian kind of touched on it with the adaptogens and the mushrooms. But what we've actually seen a lot of is people just trying to improve the nutrition of familiar foods. So things oh, yeah. like um, cakes with added vitamins or sweeties with added vitamins or crisps, um, mm. smoothies with added vitamins, just, just in a way providing people the foods and drinks that they want to eat or drink. Um, but taking that responsibility to actually help them with their nutrition as well, which I think is a really, really powerful thing that food manufacturers should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this is kind of following on from the last question in terms uh, in terms of trends. But um, vegan food, uh, people are vegan, plant based for all sorts of reasons. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to sort of understand what your thoughts are, and, and also you said that you know you kind of felt healthier when you went went plant based, went vegan. Um, but there isn't always a correlation, is there, between sort of health and being vegan and vegan products. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, totally. I think um, one, one of the things we've seen is people just tend to opt for these vegan junk foods a lot of the time. Mm. And, and that's not necessarily healthy. That's also the, the reason that seven years ago when we set Bosch up, doctors would tell you not to eat vegan food, that you'd have you know not enough nutrition um it was generally believed that a vegan diet was deficient in lots of things mm -hmm. what we now know 
is actually a balanced, varied vegan diet is basically the healthiest way you can eat. Um, vegans tend to have lower BMIs than other people. They do really well in terms of like longevity. Um, and and, and it just generally, it's a very high fiber diet. And if you're getting enough colorful fruits, vegetables, all of those kind of lovely phytonutrients, plant goodness, if you're getting all of those into your body on a regular basis, you're really, really, really going to be working at optimal health. Um, but what you need to not be doing on a vegan diet is eating everything beige, chips, <laughs> yes, pasta, so yeah. vegan burgers. Mm -hmm. um, so you you just got to try and get that balance. We try to t we tend to say eighty twenty. So eighty yeah, percent of check. things look like salad or stir fry, as Ian yeah. mentioned before, and twenty percent of the time is when you're having your kind of naughty little cheat meals and the beige food, the takeaways, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you need a bit of balance, I think. Yeah, and I that's think that's, right. the that's the same for every way of eating, actually, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. yeah. If, if you're eating, you know, super processed stuff all the time, you're not going to be amazingly healthy. So, so totally, respect. totally. Yeah. And, yeah. and people people talk about, um, you know, the vegan diet because you should take B12. Um, it's important for your brain. Your body can create it itself, but just generally, we, we should be taking B12, just the same way that we should be taking vitamin D in this country because we don't get enough. Uh, sunlight, and that's regardless of whether you're vegan, veggie, flexi, whatever. Um, yeah. So yes, there's there's a, there's a caveat to eating the vegan diet that there's something we have to watch out for. But the same is true for a well-planned Mediterranean diet. You know, you have to be careful um, because fish can be quite high in mercury, so you have to just mm. keep your eye on that. You have to also, you know, think about not eating processed meats. So really, every way of eating, even if it's healthy, has a watch out or two. And the fact that people who eat plant-based need b12 doesn't mean that it's a bad way to eat uh it's a great way to eat you've just got to do it right i agree yeah yeah absolutely and whatever whatever you choose whatever sort of um label you you're under i think and the vitamin d and b12 as you said actually quite a few people are deficient on that regardless of being vegan absolutely mm -hmm. yeah my granddad was actually when he got older and he wasn't anywhere near mm. vegan <laughs> yeah it's interesting that yeah, it is uh wine do you like wine do you drink wine um obviously that's something that uh we've seen come into the market the the vegan labeled wines mm -hmm. yep uh, uh yeah i think uh, i i quite like a glass of wine uh I, I, it, my taste for wine has developed over the past couple of years but um to the point where we've actually just done a commercial partnership with sainsbury's and the reason ah, why we've done I think the commercial, I saw that. yeah, the commercial Amazing. partnership with them is because Sainsbury's have got this fantastic range of vegan wine, but not many vegans know that they have. So they basically, mm. um, are, we are partnering with them to make other people aware of the fact that they've got this fantastic range of vegan wine. Now, vegan wine is, I think most wine is vegan unless it's from like a really old traditional vineyard. But there's a fantastic resource online if you want to. Um, find out if a wine or if any alcohol is vegan it's barnivore barnivore.com you can just go yeah. on there type in your um whatever you've got in front of you be it you know fosters or whatever and uh it will tell you if it's vegan or not very helpful uh, by the way fosters is definitely not vegan no <laughs> in case you're wondering yeah mm. yeah i i knew you guys liked a bit of wine yeah a little splash yeah, of wine every now and again red or white red or white <laughs> i go white Myself, too, I like a sharp I'd go red all the way, man. Red all the way. Red. Yeah. Red. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm also, I'm also Chardonnay. 
Chardonnay is is very good. Yeah, it, um, yeah mm. we, we uh, the South African Chardonnay is very tasty indeed. Mm. Uh, so mm. if if anybody who's listening to this doesn't know the first thing about wine, but they know that roughly they're kind of like white wine, try a South African Chardonnay. Very delicious. Yeah, I think amazing. Uh, well, I like many, to be honest. I like. <laughs> I like, I like, I like wine. I like wine. Yeah. Uh, red. Yeah, yeah. So, out of all your many, many amazing achievements, what are you most proud of to date? Oh, I think um, I'm most proud of the fact that we have managed to build a business around doing something that we believe in, that is our purpose. You know, we are we're very much mission driven. We're all about helping people get more plants on plates. For the planet um so everything we do we're thinking about reducing co2 and helping more people eat plant-based food because we believe in it and we hate the fact that the way that we're all eating and consuming is damaging the planet and that it's having an impact on the poorest people first you know the, the kind of the west are going to be the last to feel the effects of climate change and you've already got developing nations that are starting to struggle through um rising uh, sea levels through terrible flooding all of this stuff and that is what that is our battle through food so i'm really proud that we've managed to build a purpose-driven business mm-hmm. um run it for the last six years and now we have a team of people who are also all mission driven as well mm-hmm. uh, that's inspiring that is very Amazing. inspiring uh, <clears throat> i'll give you two specific things um, that I'm, I'm very proud of the first one is ha- having the biggest selling vegan cookbook of all time that's that, that that's something to be very proud of, and there's literally only there's two of us in the whole world who can say that. So so that's I'm something I'm very proud of. Another thing I'm extremely proud of is the fact that we hosted the Europe's first plant based cooking show, Living on the Veg. That that was yeah. also a big yes, um, big moment for for veganism. So yeah, I'm, I'm proud of those two things. Well, loads to be proud of, to be honest. That is a lot to be proud of. Amazing. So <laughs> in, incredibly inspiring, I think people will find this incredibly inspiring. Um, we, we certainly do. So uh, we've come to the last question, which is my favorite. <laughs> and that is, what is the best advice you've ever been given or words to live by um, that have sort of stuck with you throughout? It could be as simple or as complicated as you like. Uh, anything you would do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Oh my oh, God, I love that, that, that one. Good. <laughs> yes. That's um, good. I, I that love is, that. I think that is Goethe. And yeah, look, ultimately, look, if you want to build something and if you believe you can do it, you should definitely just do it. Just yeah. crack on. Yeah. Mm. Can, can, I just, can I just jump in? Because it's kind of my little mantra from when I was little. Um, I had this little thing. It was in my first cookbook. It was basically something similar. It was basically believe in the magic of your dreams. I used to tell myself all that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And and I think you know people talk about a lot about manifesting and um, the 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 kind of just general idea of manifestation isn't necessarily something I subscribe to as a belief system. But what I do believe is that the human brain is powerful, and everything that we see is filtered through. Our, through our eyes, through basically our mental filters. And if we train our mental filters to look for something or to aim for something, your brain will subconsciously steer yeah. you in that direction. And so there is mm-hmm. real value in visualization, 
goal setting, writing down your dreams and giving them a timestamp and a deadline so they go from a dream to a goal. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff really, really, really will help you build the kind of world you want to see. I love that. That yeah. is good. No, so yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be able to beat the one that Henry's just done. Uh, but what I'm going to do, <laughs> don't, like, you don't need to, you don't no, need to. Like, no. yeah, I don't, you don't need to beat it. But I'm just going to use something that we've all heard before, and it's actually very relevant because I went to watch a movie on Friday night, um, and and, and it, it contained this quote because the movie is about Michael Jordan and Nike, and the mm. quote is quite or quite simply, "Just do it." I, yes, I, I, I love that. I really yeah. like that that mantra yeah. to, to to go. For. I love that. Yeah, you know, just like, don't try. You know what? I was I was literally thinking that mm -hmm. beforehand, and that was I was like, oh, it's just a, such a Nike thing. But I was literally thinking that two minutes ago. Just do so it. So there we go. Yeah, just yeah. do it. And it's yeah. so good. And if you haven't watched that movie, by the way, the Air movie um, about how Michael Jordan signed for mm. Nike, it's well worth a watch. Oh, cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Definitely doing that. Yeah. That's a good one. Oh, love it. Oh, that's honestly that's been so inspiring. I'm sure inspire our listeners as well. So thank you so much for uh, talk chatting to us today. Thank you so been much. It's been, Thank you. It's been an absolute honour. Thank you. No, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think podcasts are great. Podcasts yeah. are really, really good. So what you guys are doing here is fantastic. And uh, keep on keeping on with it. And who, who's your favourite guest that you've had on so far? Other than um, us, of course. <laughs> you? <laughs> you? <laughs> um, I think everyone's got something uh, to bring to the table. Yeah. I mean, I... I love I love these podcasts because you always learn something new and there's always a takeaway and mm -hmm. it's always very inspiring. And I think in today's world that's so social media driven, it's nice to just have a chat. Indeed. Isn't it? And just and yeah. just getting to know people. Yeah. Um yeah. so I always find real value in that. That just it's just about connections and and chatting and sharing and yeah. you know, it's lifting each other up and yeah, but you do learning. I've yeah. certainly because this is our this is our kind of well, I think it's our fifth series now, and we've just yeah. had so many inspiring people on. And I've just you know every single time, as Patina says, you kind of you know it makes you think slightly differently about something. And yeah, I've learned loads. Yeah, incredible. It's very very inspiring. Yeah. It's almost like I don't know. It's like the it's it's our age of sitting around a campfire and sharing stories, but we do it through a podcast. That's exactly yes. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So really I I, I love I love that. Um, well, you've been so fantastic hosts, so yeah. oh, thank you for having us. Um, we've really enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> yeah, Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to What for Catcher. I hope you enjoyed our food conversations, and please do have a listen to the rest of the episodes to hear more brilliant stories about everything and anything to do with food. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Stonely Wines, premium wine from Marlborough, New Zealand. It is made from 100% sustainably sourced grapes and is vegan certified. And use our exclusive discount code for 20% off Stonely Sauvignon Blanc exclusively on Amazon using the code STONELY20. And please do give us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed the podcast. It really does help to spread the word. And if you want to follow Bettina and myself, you can find us on Instagram at Bettina's Kitchen and Rebel Recipes. Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back soon.